0: Welcome to The Roger Snipes Show. My name is Roger Snipes. I'm a lifetime natural fitness enthusiast with a key interest in physical and mental development, where science and nature create synergy, bringing you lifestyle optimization. Hi, guys. So thanks for tuning in to today's episode. Today, I'm going to be talking with uh, someone who goes by the name of Ryan Carter. I first met him through a mutual friend by the name of someone called Tim Gray. Now, Tim Gray is the CEO of the Health Optimization Summit. Um, Tim, he used to have an oxygen hyperbaric chamber in London, um, and that was when we first met and um, when he learned that I was very interested in biohacking and health optimization. And um, yeah, so there was one time we all went to dinner. Um, actually, before the dinner, before the dinner, we met up and we went to a Russian sauna. <laughs> now, this sauna um, is in London in a place called Banya, which is really cool. Um So Tim decided, you know, I'm going to round up a few good friends and we're going to go there and just like, you know, enjoy the sauna, chit chat, get to know one another. And it was really cool. Um, Meeting Ryan, it was like, wow, this guy is really full of knowledge. And you know, he's one of those people that is just almost like quietly confident. He's not trying to overexert himself, he's not trying to gain attention, he'll just just give a little sprinkle of certain things that he knows and it makes you a bit more inquisitive to want to know more. So um, that day um, I learned about his social media handle which is uh, Liv Vitae (laughs) and When I was checking out his social media page, I was thinking, wow, this is really cool. You know, he gives so much free information to people. I just saw extreme value. And, um, you know, we met up on a couple of other occasions after that. um, One being at the Health Optimization Summit, which was in September 2019. And then again at like a, a group dinner. And um, again, every time I meet up with Ryan, I'm learning something new. So we had a little chat and um, he gave me his free time, his time, which is just so valuable because, as I said, he's just full of so much knowledge. And um, yeah, which has brought me here today where I'm able to do a fantastic podcast. And um, yeah, so guys, just take note of all the really useful stuff which he is about to unravel in this podcast it was literally not like an interview it was like just like a conversation like any other time that I'd met him anyways I hope you guys enjoy this as much as I did and um yeah enjoy the show how you doing Ryan you all right I'm very good thank you Roger. Excellent, excellent. So guys, I'm here with Ryan Carter, who is a certified health coach, um, specializes in nutritional therapy, and um, has varying degrees of functional medicine. And he goes by the um, handle, is it (laughs)
1: Live Vitae? (laughs) Live Vitae. Oh, sorry. Live Vitae. Okay. Yeah, Live Vitae. Well, Vitae, Vitae, it, it's the same thing, essentially. It's just uh, my pronunciation of Vitae, Vitae. Yeah, live life, essentially.
0: Okay, okay. How did you come ac-
1: with that name, anyway? How did you come across this name? It was my auntie. Um, I was just thinking of brand names, of a nutrition- of being a nutritionist. I didn't want to call myself, like, Ryan Carter Nutrition. I wanted to be a bit more bolder and a bit more meaning. And it came from the the Greek words live vitae, like um, vitae, like your CV. So it's like your curriculum vitae. So it's your life story and live life. And that's what it's all about. It's like living life to your best. Um, and that's how, it come, that's how it came about.
0: Okay. Okay. So um, just
1: give us a little bit of
0: uh, background about yourself, how you got involved in like nutritional therapy and um, like functional medicine and that sort of thing you you have a, a varied degree of uh, knowledge in this area and it'd be interesting to know how you
1: just came into this so it came from the back of having a eating disorder around 10 years ago i got down to the weight of 55 kilograms um which is like nearly um, half my weight now, so quite astonishing feat of being 55 kilograms. Wow. Essentially I was just um, looking to improve my health, looking to put on muscle mass. I came across a personal trainer one day and he sort of guided me around to the paleo diet bulletproof, which you obviously uh, know of and um, started my journey on discovering health and asking questions and learning more and send me to want to tr- uh, make a career move uh, instead of working for my dad in his antique shop to become a nutritional therapist and actually with the learnings that I found to help people and make a difference in their life.
0: Right, right. So it <laughs> hadn't been like a lifelong passion. It was more a case of, because of your own uh, experience, what you'd gone
1: through. Yeah, essentially. And you'll find in a, nutritionist, in a nutritional game, with other therapists or uh, dieticians, or such, so it usually comes on the back of their own traumatic or own personal issues or experience. And they just want to, they have a desire to find out the whys, the whats, the whens, the hows. Um, so that's pretty common in this industry, actually. Um, yeah, so that's how I got into that. Okay, okay so what
0: would you say are the best ways to make a decision on a diet
2: there's
0: so many different theories out there but if somebody wanted to find the right thing suitable for them what's 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 the best way to get started
1: would you say so the diet world is extremely complex Um, so it's literally going to be based on you. It's going to be based on the individual in front of me or on you and like the context, the context really does matter. Um, and where you at, what's going on with you? What's your life stage at? What's your gender? What's the amount of stress that you have in your life? How physically active you are? There's so many variables and these will sort of influence what diet you should really be on. Um, so it's 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 that's quite a, a tough question to ask and such a broad answer that I could give. There's not one diet, which is the perfect diet out there. Um, we'll be, mm, sorry. There's like, there's, there's like, there's many things, but we've got to think of even ge- geographical location. That's going to have a massive impact of what food you can consume. Mm, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But, because like our modern health, like our modern, our modern food system has dramatically changed. It used to be about what was locally grown, i.e., like your allotments, what was grown in the farm a few miles away. Now it's literally what's shipped over from the Caribbean to Asia to Australasia, Australasia to China. It's like we have a food abundance, and we've sort of lost our connection to our roots of how food was created and grown. Um, So there's that nuance into it as well, but it depends on the person. Like most people starting a health journey, they don't need to probably go into that much detail. They probably just need to remove the highly processed, highly uh, hyper palatable foods from their diet, sleep more um, and eat more single ingredient foods. So that's the the start of making a change. And then- When
0: you say single ingredient, what do you mean exactly?
1: just a whole food essentially so we're talking of things like a sweet potato a steak an egg butter um vegetables fruits essentially not an ingredient made up of uh, a magnitude well the, just just well, just not a man-made ingredient essentially which has mm. has a formulation and has preservatives or colorings and has been sort of constructed
2: got you
0: got you um you mentioned about locally food local food um it's pretty difficult to get a local food these days unless maybe you find a local produce what's your thoughts on people buying food which is shipped over from different
1: parts of the world <laughs> well it's for me from personally speaking i think that's pretty inflammatory it's sort of it's not how it was designed. It was designed in context into that environment. So why is there bananas growing along the equator? There's no bananas growing in the northern Hemisphere where we are. For me, it doesn't make sense from common sense, and it doesn't make sense from physics or biochemistry to have that banana and eat that in England when it's in winter. Um, Yes, I don't really agree with it, but then... I don't think it's the like it's the worst thing. Like, it could be even. I'd think I would. I would say having McDonald's or KFC would be more of an issue than worrying about something like that. But it depends how much you want to go into the detail and how much you really want to feel amazing, because different like foods created in an environment and it's created by the soil, it's created by the water, the, the temperature and light. So these things are going to interact and change the chemical structure of the foods and we ingest these chemical structures. So, for example, say along the equator, the food there is very high in deuterium, which is an isotope of hydrogen. So when we're ingesting these foods, theoretically speaking, these are heavier. So it's heavier than Um, deuterium depleted foods which would be found in the northern hemisphere in cold environments and these get transported into a mitochondria and this is where we create energy in our cell and the body has to deal with it and there's multiple studies that show that high deuterium is an issue if there's no presence of uv light uva uvb light and that's what you find in these environments where these foods are grown so it's sort of there's a there's a um, there's a nuance there between how like how it's grown and produced, and then when you eat it, and the environmental signal which you eat it in. Mm. Does that make sense? Yes, yes.
0: It, it was starting to syn- like get to synchronize together as you was talking.
1: Yeah, and and that goes back to the, the seasonality. So when you're on the equator, there's hardly any difference in the day and nights. Ie, it's usually just. 12 hours light dark cycle there's no real fluctuation in the temperature it's just literally just dry and wet season in the northern or southern hemisphere we, we are run by season uh, seasonals, uh, seasons i.e like winter summer spring autumn and there's going to be a change in the the food there uh, in the food there yeah wow yeah that's interesting so i'm um...
0: I understand as well that um, sometimes foods are, or a lot of the time, foods are like manipulated in a sense of making the, the, the vegetables believe that it is the season for it to be ripe. Um, what is the procedure which is being used there? Is there a spray which is being used? Are they put in a certain incubator? And yeah, what well, it'd it would be just it'd be
2: green
1: well, it'd be greenhouses and polytunnels. And that's when you think, when you see tomatoes from Spain all year round. Mm. So it's sort of manipulated um, the water they use, there might be issues with. Um, and it's a fake light signal, which they're getting and a fake temperature. So it's not getting the same hormetic. So I'm not I'm not sure if you know that word, hormetic, hormesis. Um, so like a stress... Like a
0: homeostasis, natural... Stress, so yeah.
1: Yes, you got it, yeah. So it's like hormesis is a stress-promoting input from the environment or it'd be from working out as well. So you'll be breaking down muscle in the gym because you're after that damage, but then your body comes along and repairs it. And that's the same when when you think about food, the light, the UV in particular, it creates damage. And that's what makes these so-called antioxidants remarkable is because they have inflicted uv damage and that's why they're found at high altitudes for example and that phytonutrients and that phyto is from from uh, photo being light um so it's all to do with light uh, at the end of the day um mm-hmm. I, lost, I lost my train of thought so where, where are we going with that um I can't remember what the question was. Well, so well, it was just to do with like, uh, let's say, for instance. Okay, yeah. So sorry, sorry. Yeah. So, um, so when a food gets sprayed with pesticide, your way, your your or GMO, your GMO food, you're removing the ability, the natural defence mechanism of these foods to offset like a like a bugs or worms trying to attack it, or the sun, or whatever it may be and you're sort of making it more um yield more crops so the farmer and the industry at the end of the day cannot have uh damaged crops. It can make more money at the end of the day. Mm. So that's 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 the process there. So when when you go to the farmers market, it will be very seasonal seasonal. It'll be won't be grown in like a polytunnel or from Spain or it'll literally just be in a back garden or in a farm somewhere farm somewhere and be won't be sprayed with Pesticides to to the sort of uh, level of um, Tesco's crops, for example, it would be sprayed minimally minimally, um, but they'd be more safer.
0: Right, got you, got you. What are your thoughts on um, food products that um, are quite questionable for health, but somehow pass FDA? Um, they get f d a approved, and it's like you think how 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 did this end up on the shelves like this surely isn't very healthy. This might be a bit of a political question um but what's your thoughts on that? Do you have any personal thoughts on that
1: what what food are you talking about? Give me some examples
0: uh, I don't know, maybe foods with g m o or even uh uh, foods which lack proper nutrition, even sweeteners, let's say, uh, aspartame, lots of studies or clinical studies has shown that um, there, there's uh, uh, it can lead sorry,
1: to... Sorry, so, so I, cut, I cut out there, sorry.
0: Okay, so, for example, um, things like um, artificial sweetness, you know, clinical yeah. studies have shown could
2: lead to... Yeah,
1: well they're a funny one you gotta think most studies out there are uh manipulated to get the result that they want a study has to be funded by someone because the study's not free um so there's even going to be some studies that will say it's safe there's no issues um think of like aspartame diet coke calorie free alternatives i just don't i think at the end of the day, if you're going to have one or two, it's not a big deal. If you're going to make it a staple thing in your diet or food choices, and you have some addictive properties, uh, addicted if issues with uh, with those foods, or they're making you consume more calories as such, then I would be looking to remove them.
0: Mm. I mean, th- these are from like you know personal food choices for people to eat. Obviously, it makes sense to look into uh, the amount of consumption in certain types of foods, whether it's artificial or not. I'm talking about, like, do you find that there are certain foods which are questionable as to whether it should be on the shelf at all?
1: Oh, for sure, yeah. Like, there's some terrible foods out there. Like, they shouldn't even make it to the shelves. Yes. Uh, there's, There's some shocking things out there.
0: Which has been approved by FDA. What's your thoughts on that?
1: Um... Well, this is crazy, like, um, there, there obviously is a demand for the food, so they're making money, so they're going to they're gonna sell them, um, and they don't really care about people's health long term at the end of the day, like, the food industry more or less doesn't really care about your health, they're there to make money and profit at the end of the day, so they'll literally just sell crap if they could. Uh, and that 's what like ninety percent of the food, even in the u k without the f d a even in the u k like ninety percent of the food in like supermarkets is crap mm. it's like completely so far fetched from how we used to live um as hunter gatherers
0: yeah, yeah, I do question like who who monitors f d a like is like are they audited as to like you know, because certain foods manage to just get through
1: and get through and get through, and I'm like, wow, like. Well, you think you've got to think of who the government subsidised these food industries. Look at the corn and soy industry; they they spend a huge amount of money to promote them, and that goes back to the people funding these studies. Or there's there was recently last year in Eat Lancet paper that that said that most uh, that the Typical diet should consume like 80, like 70% of whole grains and like 2% of animal protein. It's just like ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, and we both know like how important animal protein is for the human body. Um, without going to the extremes of carnivore, just even the basic, the basis of having like at least 30 to 40% of our calories coming from protein sources. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, as I want to say? So, um,
0: I know you eat vegetables and fruits in season Um, how can others do that as well I think you've mentioned about you know the reasons for eating things in season Um, you know people tend to do their shopping in supermarkets a lot of the time Um,
1: like I do as well So, like, there's basic tips of having the intention, like, setting an intention when you go to the supermarket. Have a shopping list. Have an idea of what you want to cook that week. So, set an intention (coughs) and don't just get led astray by the supermarket with a position of products or whatever is on sale as such. Um, So, have a strategy uh, in place. And that removes the temptation of putting, like, some suspect food in your basket. Yeah. Um, ideally, like everyone could eat at a farmer's market, um, but obviously not everyone lives by a farmer's market or is close in that sort of um, town type area or village to be uh, That that puts it on, but you can like there's some amazing companies on the, on online that do it, and that's the same thing with like meat, uh, buying it online. Um, but you can go on websites and see what's in season in your local area. Um, And that's that's a a great resource. I can't remember what the website, the UK one is. I think it's called eattheseasons.co.uk. And it it has like, what's in season? Um, And this will reflect like what's at the farmer's market.
0: I just want to take a moment to talk to you guys about something which I use to protect me from EMF. Now, I have a few basics like a grounding mat, a grounding sheet, um, even grounding underwear. But I also use a special device called a Vedic. Now, Samavedic has precious and semi-precious stones, which is used to harmonize the harsh effects from EMF and EMR, not forgetting geopathic zones, which affects some of our households. The device creates a protective radius of up to 200 feet in all directions. Not only would you benefit by your wellness and reduction in free radicals which could lead to oxidative stress, premature aging and disease, your family can benefit too. Not even forgetting your pets or your plants. So it's pretty incredible stuff. Now, they have many testimonials available on their website alongside pre-clinical research with downloadable PDFs so that you can have a good read yourself. Now, if you want to pick yourself up one of these cool Vedic devices, then go to my show notes and click on the link. Now, me, myself, I have one of the Medic Green Ultras. I believe that ticks all the boxes for uh, the EMF protection, uh, free radicals, neutralization. Also things like viruses and bacteria which are in the air. And uh, not forgetting molds. Sometimes you've got some hidden molds that you might not know about that you've had some kind of reaction to. And also parasites. It creates this nice, harmonious environment. And uh, it's also fantastic for water structuring. Um, It's it's incredible. It's something which has definitely changed my life, changed my feelings. (laughs) And I tend to be a lot more at peace. So all you need to do, just click the link in my show notes... And use my coupon code, which is SNIPES15, to get yourself a 15% discount. I think that's really important, to know where to look. Because sometimes I'll just get, like myself personally, I'll just get lots of fruit to put in a bowl. And a mixed variation of vegetables, just to vary the colour of what's in my basket. Yeah, Yeah, but to know what's in season
1: would be great. Yeah, but you wouldn't you wouldn't be able to have the fruits in there, Um, because obviously you're living in just outside London. There's hardly any fruit growing at this time of year. Mm. Um, But in the supermarket, they have to they have to share or state the location of where the food was grown. So that's when you can see uh, products with Spain on them or. Sri Lanka, <laughs> kenya, kenya with the green beans or um lettuce from morocco whatever it is mm. it's crazy no one actually thinks about the
2: <clears throat> uh
1: global global emissions the the emissions of getting all these fruits and vegetables or so-called superfoods like quinoa maca whatever it is shipped across the world um for their needs because it's talented as beneficial as us beneficial for us um so it be like looking at the super, like looking at the foods in your area yourself so, that like eating what's in season will solve so many problems
2: yeah yeah um
0: i know you've mentioned about um digital detox. I've seen a few posts on that. Um, and talking about light and how it affects us, um, reduced time on mobile phones. Um, what's the benefits of doing this? Would you say what's, what's the biggest benefit
1: of having a digital detox and really trying to keep things as natural as possible? Clarity. Like clarity of your mind, um, not being influenced by others, being true to yourself, um, making better decisions for you and the people around you, so that all lead to being a better person, being able to improve yourself every single day. So, just those sort of simple things, and actually having focus is and. Sticking to your tasks is is so hard nowadays because we're just constantly distracted. Whether it be from like email notifications, WhatsApp messages, um, spam um, subscriptions in our email box, uh, mostly just TV adverts, YouTube's pop up with adverts again, like constantly bang 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 all the time. So just switching it off and reestablishing like your your mission like what's your purpose all these all these kind of things
0: how do you narrow things down yourself how do you keep it to a minimum i mean lots of people use social media um and obviously if your business is around your laptop a lot of the time you're probably going to get lots of emails um how do you know you're not going to miss out on certain things that are important how how do you manage all of that
1: yeah i think it's it's about setting boundaries and establishing what you actually need to do and giving yourself a sort of limit of what you need to get done and yeah fair enough a lot of work is online i share i spend quite a bit of my time on my computer reading studies doing courses replying to emails x y and z i think it's um understanding the pros and understanding the cons as well the negative impacts that that it may have um and setting boundaries perhaps with time limits or you can get some even on like Instagram it tells you you can set a limit of how much time you spend there or you can have like a pop-up which says you've spent you've been on your limit on Instagram today with a, a little reminder um and or just having a reminder on your phone or having to, a post-it note at home to just remind yourself turn lights off or yeah All all these kind of things. Yeah, yeah. So are you wearing um, blue light blockers there? Yeah, these are day blockers by Blue Blocks.
0: So, by Blue Blocks. Um, So how many different types are there?
1: There's about three types. Is that right? They sell three types. They have the clear, which are these ones now. So that reduces about 30% of the blue spectrum of the wavelengths. They also do an amber one, which is ideally used around some just after sunset and the early hot part of the evening and also the the dark amber amber ones which should be used after dinner because a lot of people actually just wear red ones early in the evening and then eat that's actually going to impact our ability to handle glucose if we're eating carbs uh, for example Um, Just because there's like melatonin receptors and melatonin released in the pancreas as well. And that's where we um, release insulin.
2: Right, right.
1: So um,
0: so what time is it now? 11.25. And you've got this to reduce your light down by what, 30%? Yeah.
1: So it's just giving me a more even spectrum of what would be outside. But obviously because it's midday, near near enough midday, we'd have higher amounts of blue uh, during the day. And there'll be UVA, UVB, so there'll be po- purple light there as well. Um, and just as, this this place actually where I am now is actually not too bad. It's kind of, there's, there's some amber lights around here. Um, but then again, like this is indoors. Ideally, I'd be outside, but I can't because the wifi doesn't reach out there. Um, <laughs> So um, yeah, I think, I think like you can easily get overwhelmed with the information out there with blue blocking glasses, with the light spectrum. But the, the simple message is like, try to go out first thing in the morning and get some daylight. When you're indoors, try to reduce the blue lights, the high intensity, uh, especially in a later and early part of the day. Mm-hmm. And in the evening, reducing all blue light like you don't have to wear glasses as well. You can actually just get some apps on your phone or you can get an app on Iris on your computer. You can use candles. So you don't actually have to wear glasses. It's only when you can't control the situation where the glasses are useful. What is a good app
0: to use for your phone and what you can use for your
1: laptop to reduce it? So laptop, I find Iris, I-R-I-S, the best one it's mm-hmm. like 15 pounds and it's a lifetime uh, you can control the uh, the contrast what kind of temperature that you want um, with the phone I use night mode 24/7 and in the evening I would do that I don't know what it's called it's that little that hack that trick where you can tr- uh, touch the button three times and it goes red okay right. do you know do you know what I'm no. no yeah I don't know if I've got it on this because I just updated my phone but like there's a I don't know what I'm doing there. But um I normally get that on my watch. Did
0: you have that on your watch? <laughs>
1: That's, yeah, I think it is just like an emergency call thing. But yeah. there's a way of there's a way of making your whole screen go red. Um and I think there's a huge you can go on YouTube and search Luke's story. I think he's done a the, the step-by-step way of doing that.
2: Mm.
0: So okay, cool.
1: So during the day
0: we, we want to be alert. We want to be awake. We want to get stuff done. So why would a person need to reduce the amount of blue light then if it's like, you know, 11.25 in the morning?
1: Yeah, it's just exceedingly high. So when you're indoors, it's an artificial light. Mm. Um, so that light hits your eyes. as a flickering light as well. So that's going to cause some damage to your eye, to your retina. Mm. Um, so the, there's that, so that's a, re- a reason why you might wanna wear some glasses to reduce the, the impact of flicker. Um, just to make it more mellow, like yes, we want to have that stimulation and alertness, so we, want, we want bright, but in fact, actually the indoors, compared to all outdoors, and this is done on lo- uh, Luminate, uh, I can never pronounce this word, um, LUTs, essentially. Luminous, uh, I think I said it right. So there's LUTs, and that's the brightness of light um, and outdoors you're like at this time of day we'll probably get like a hundred thousand lux indoors right now this would probably be like 120 lux so there's a significant difference it may appear bright but it's actually not compared to outdoors outdoors you're gonna get a whole spectrum of the rainbow indoors you're literally just gonna get flat line from the red to the orange um, and then you're just gonna get the blue into the green and then and and then that's it really Mm. there's a lot of yeah
0: there's a lot of talk around blue light and also red light but not so much green light or purple
1: yeah Um, why would that be why is that
2: um
1: so like purple light you think of uva uvb and uvc but uvc rarely touches uh, the earth like you don't want to block that really um i mean people block that with sunglasses or when they go skiing as such and that's probably a valid thing to be doing when you're when you're skiing and or, or when you're water skiing and you're getting that reflection from the purple from the purple rays um so that's very damaging and obviously it's enhanced with the reflection of the water or, or whether it be it's snow um with green so green is actually a light that you do want to block in the evening and uh, blue blocks do block the green spectrum on their glasses and it is it is just as stimulating as the blue
0: what's the benefit of
1: green um so again it would be alertness as well right okay and what did you say purple was purple would be
0: uv uv, oh, okay. UV range yeah right and that's what normally when it's really sunny would get
1: yeah i mean like in the UK now, we're getting UVB and UVA at the moment. Um, and that's in March. And like most people don't understand. Like, we, get, we get quite a lot of UV, but we're also affected by the pollution as well, um, cloud cover. So that's another thing to consider when you're in London. Um, and also EMFs as well. EMFs um, block the ability of UVB to, to, to hit your skin. What's the benefit of UVA or UVB? So we've got UVA. UVA is great for like vasodilation, so release of nitric oxide and it's essentially priming our skin for the UVB. So UVA comes around. So if you think of like a clock, so in the morning we get the reds, predominantly red light and near infrared. So that's the light that you can't see, which is invisible. And then we transition to around, around 10 o'clock and that's when UVA comes in. And then around midday to one o'clock, for example, that would be when UVB comes, and then again it um, goes back on that cycle. So then UVA comes in, and then it goes back down to the red and, and more near infrared. But there's near infrared light throughout the whole day, and that makes up about forty percent of the light uh, that hits the earth, and that's invisible, um, and that has a massive impact of our that has a massive impact on our melatonin levels throughout the day. Um, And obviously when we're indoors or when we're behind windows, we're not getting that light. And that's very healing for the body. So you've obviously heard of like infrared saunas, uh, red light therapy, all these things are delivering near infrared and we're very deficient and deprived of it in our modern society because we're just such indoor creatures.
2: Mm.
0: How often do you think people should go
1: outside? At At least? least? Well, ideally first thing in the morning, just to set the tone or rhythm of our circadian rhythm. Um, and then throughout the day at least like people have cigarette breaks every hour I think there should be a thing called light breaks every hour uh, especially especially in like office workers like every hour just go outside um, you don't have to stare at the sun you just need to look up at the clouds or whatever um, just for five minutes
0: it also affects the amount of vitamin D which we get I mean,
1: yeah. yeah. Um, so vitamin D will pre- yeah, we can make vitamin D now uh, this time of year uh, we can also consume it from oily fish, um, from, from lamb, from beef, from eggs, um, fattier meat as such. Mm. Um, and th- There's a seasonality. There's a s- seasonal variation in the, the ability to make vitamin D, especially in the, nor- the northern and the southern hemisphere.
0: Do you think it's important to have it as a supplement as well? Mm-hmm. Some people have it as a supplement, like religiously.
1: Yeah, I'd... I'd- don't agree with that. I don't I don't personally take vitamin D as a supplement and nor would I recommend it for clients as well.
0: What about darker skinned people?
1: Um not really no. I'd I'd really so, like this is a bigger topic. It's like essentially we would get fat and obese. In the summer but well, this is talking northern and southern hemisphere so we had to get a piece in the summer and our adipose tissue our fat cells store vitamin D um, so we would be really high in vitamin D from the summer and then as we go more ketogenic and lower carb essentially because there's no produce there we're um, no carbs there we'd liberate the fat stores as energy and we would liberate the vitamin d so we'll be able to have vitamin d throughout the winter as well but obviously this is a bit backwards because no one eats seasonally and this is when seasoning thing comes in so when we have in the summer we're abundant in carbohydrates and there's more daylight so we'll be eating more and we'll be putting on weight not in a bad way but in a good way as a protective mechanism and as a storage for food in the winter when there'll be less food and we'll be fasting more yeah so essentially you'll be able to make all the vitamin d you can in the summer
0: got you right do you reckon people with lower percentage of body fat um has less amount of fat soluble vitamins in their body
1: i i don't know the research in that um i'm not sure uh a lot of them would be stored in the liver anyway, um, yeah. not just in the adipose tissue. Okay,
2: cool.
0: All right, so you're you're a great advocate of um, kind of like ancestral type of living, I would assume, uh, from looking at your posts and what, what you've discussed right now. If you were stranded on an island and you had three key tools which you can use to, for survival what would those be tools in terms of getting food it could be yeah getting food or just the like your survival
1: kit it it would be the ability to create fire so uh some flint and some wood and probably like a stick or spear to catch fish um or a net yeah, to catch to catch animals basically. Okay, so a stint? Did you say? No, a, a flint. Like I don't know. What, I think it's a flint where you how you create fire. Uh, you know when you strike uh, like the rocks They together. use rocks in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's a flint. <laughs> so you'd be happy with some rocks. <laughs> well, essentially, because fire is a big key to how humans acquired their massive brain. So yeah, um, and keep warm as well. Mm, mm. and it also provides again the red light and near infrared
2: oh really yeah infrared you know, from the fire infrared,
1: near infrared yeah infrared lights from the fire and red light um and you've got the whole thing about the social interaction about getting around the fire as well in your community it's a place of shelter storytelling um so fire was a major revolution in our in our history right so in
0: terms of like health this is sort of like branching off that now uh, for like uh human health being with others helps us um i don't know it, it helps her immune system it helps to i don't know increase oxytocin and many many other chemicals what are the what other benefits are there of just other human interaction
1: you obviously got uh, reproduction. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Quite a good benefit. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a big one. Um, but it will also be like even hunting as well. We'll be hunting in groups. Like we'll be going after like mammoths or uh, whatever it was back back then. Like The ability to um, hunt in groups and have numbers. Um, and that would be predominantly, if you look at the Hazdas, um from Africa, the men will go off hunting, and the female will go off looking for the roots, the tubers, and a bit of uh, leaves as such um so it'd be like the community of gathering food um and the kids would just be like just with their mums um and there'd be a hierarchy there as well, um with the leaders or utilizing the elders as well, giving them the wisdom to pass on to the younger generation mm. And have, you,
0: have you read into a book called sapiens i haven't read it myself but.
1: uh i have i haven't read it i know of it
0: mm. where did you do lots of your research in terms of ancestral living
1: um it would be jack cruz he's a great resource in terms of how humans became who they are today um the assimilation of predominantly seafood into our diet and the growth of our brain and our permeability of our gut acquiring viral DNA from seafood. Um, so he's got amazing blogs called EpiPaleo and Brain Gut, which are all about the evolution perspective. Um, also I'm reading now is the carnivore code by paul salamandino and he actually talks about the history of humans homeo sapiens as such and the lineage then the the evolution perspective of when fire came about when neolithic um, industrialized uh, seed grain grown was uh, was the major detriment to humans human like human health essentially Mm. Uh, yeah, that's so those that uh, yeah, he that's a really I think you, you're reading it now, aren't you?
0: No, no, that's that's a book which I'm looking to get very soon, but
1: I've got so many books I haven't even gone through yet. Yeah, me too. Well, me too. I've got a whole yeah, I've got a whole stack of books to just get through, and then I keep on seeing new ones. I'm like, oh, I'll just get yeah. that, just get excited. Yeah,
2: it's yeah, it's tough
1: it's like it's like it's not it's not sweets in a sweets in a candy store no more it's like books in the amazon prime now yes
0: exactly (laughs) exactly and like i get a new credit on the um audible as well and um okay let me get a new book (laughs) i'll get a new audio book but i've still got a physical um hard copy which i haven't read um but i think there's definitely going to be some real valid stuff in the The Carnivore Code is always called. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, I'm in the second chapter, and um, I I really like um, Paul's work. I think if you go over and remove your bias or your opinion of him as a person, whoever, like wherever you are, and not see him as an extremist because that's what a carnivore diet is to a certain extent, Uh, and just see see his points and they're they're very valid, and um, he's very he uses uh, great language, and it's very easy to understand as well. Um, yeah, and he's not looking for to, to say he's right, or for, he's not looking to, for you to agree with him. He's just making his point. Um, and and it, I, I think it's really good. I think it's very interesting. I think he's been following it for, it's
0: been a couple of years now, I believe.
1: Yeah, I um, think he, he heard it from Jordan Peterson. Mm-hmm. Um On the Joe Rogan podcast, and he's also uh, an MD as well. And he just tried it out. I think he had eczema issues, and he tried it out, uh, and it improved. And he just dug his head into the research, um, mm-hmm. and just, just took it from there.
0: Makes sense. Makes sense. I mean, if
1: it's
2: but,
1: working for him. Yeah, but it, but it still it still emits the the environment and the lights implications of food um, and actually if you think about the protein as well it's depleted in deuterium um, so that's another benefit of having going all carnivore, is that it's, it's actually a low deuterium diet um, similar to the ketogenic diet a low what low deuterium so remember i said there's a, you have hydrogen you have different isotopes of hydrogen and one of them would be deuterium it's slightly heavier heavier so a heavier water molecule a uh, hydrogen molecule so that it just means that it's got um a different ne- a neutron to make it heavier um and it, protein animal protein is low in deterioration so that's sort of like a side benefit that you get from going on a, car- car- a carnival diet
0: right right got
1: you but then again like this- i feel <laughs> in this in this modern world that we live in it, it is deemed as being extreme um and the vegan diet is as well. It's extreme if you're saying remove all animal food from your pro like from your diet that's very extreme as well typically that would only be seen in the equator where there'd be a massive amounts of vegetation all year round um so then it comes it, it always comes back to light and your environment that you're in when it comes back to food choices light okay. Light, like, well, essentially, there's a book called Light Shapes Life. Really? Mm. Another yeah. book I need to get. All right. Well, it, and it goes back further into like the human evolution or even like our cells and our mitochondria and about how photosynthesis in our historic cell changed and the ability to have op- utilize oxygen. Um, yeah, it's fascinating. Wow. <laughs>
0: Okay, so, well, with the multitude of vitamins and minerals which is available on this planet, how does a person get that from their meals, especially like soils being depleted of vital nutrients and um, I don't know if you're gonna be very specific with your diet and eat things in season, then it's more stuff which is, eliminated from your plate how how do people do it how is it possible how were people doing it before there's so many different varieties which we need um
1: how's it done it would come back to, to question like what's normal in terms of ratios and required nutrients um so Do we need massive amounts of vitamin C all year round? Or do we only need a small amount? Um, It's just questioning these things. Um, Ideally, like it's well known, animal-based foods have the most nutrients compared to plant foods. Plant foods have certain anti-nutrients which make it harder and difficult to utilise the nutrients that they have. Um, so we want to be eating nose to tail, um, not just muscle meat, um, which is very common in the in the in the bodybuilding industry as such. But like we want to be having a, a balanced ratio of glycine to methane, um, utilizing bones, utilizing connective tissue, utilizing the organs. Um, but, but of course, like nobody really wants to be eating kidneys or heart because it's it's, it's deemed as not appealing when essentially like these are the foods which in the animal kingdom such as tigers lions in the wild would be consumed first and be highly prized not looking for the affiliate million uh for example um yeah so and just being smart because like i said previously if you do eat plants if you're looking at the the seasonality of them and the ability to handle the issue like to handle to handle the anti-nutrients and the deuterium found in them as well mm. um, yeah so essentially a, 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 not not like a crazy meat heavy diet but like meat, a meat based diet uh, knows to tell um, not being scared of fat but also not being scared of carbs when they're available too. Mm.
0: Some people do shy away from carbs because they're pretty scared that it's going to make them fat.
1: And, uh... Uh, well, that goes back to the question, like, what, who, what, what's deemed a carb? Like, someone would say, I'm scared of, I don't want to eat carbs. Like, that, that carb could be like, a carb's anything from a plant. So some spinach, for example, is a carb. Um, or are we talking about a burger bun? like there's a massive difference in terms of someone's definition of a carb um and obviously the burger bun is going to be hyper palatable It's been, probably gonna have like cheese in it um with some toxic fats like man-made fats uh some really some juicy meats um and like some pretty some beef fried chips so we've got to think about like bigger picture of what the food comes into uh, comes in Absolutely. Or, or, what, the, or what, what comes along with the carbs as well, essentially. Yeah, yeah. Because like, essentially carbs in nature, with the season, they're, like, they're, they're great, they're amazing. They serve a purpose. They serve a purpose of um, increasing, increasing our ability to, to increase our weight, whether that be if you want to manipulate that and make it to more muscle mass or if we want to put on fat tissue, which is, like I said previously, a beneficial thing how we used to live. Um, and sort of like a backwards way of thinking that we have now in terms of obesity. That's quite interesting, though. I mean, in some
0: places, I don't know whether it's still the case, but to see someone who is quite overweight, it's like, oh, wow, you're living a good life. I know certain parts of Africa, it it used to be that way. I don't know if it still is. But, you know, if, if you're quite fat, it's like, oh my God, wow, like, you are wealthy, you are living large, like, you'd be well-respected. Yeah. Whereas now it's not so much like that.
1: Yeah. Um, I think that's like that in Asia as well. Um, and you're, you're seen as a king as such. But I think, and that, and that goes back to, like, the Henry VIII uh, in the Tudor times. Uh, he was, like, a fat, like fat bastard, essentially, uh, <laughs> with, like, loads of women. But like he lived a very negative, like he lived a bad lifestyle because he was drinking a lot. So Kaden rhythm was pretty like screwed, um, and he didn't give the environmental stimulus. Sort of like the winter with being cold, and essentially, like being fat is okay. Like, but it's the ability of utilizing the fat in the winter and then getting lean uh, come spring, and repeating that cycle again. Like when you th- think of like a, a bear, essentially, a wild. Uh, black bear or brown bear, um, it puts on weight, it hibernates, and it comes out shredded. And that's exactly the same uh, in humans to a certain extent.
0: Well, that's the way we used to live, or that's yeah, the- that's
1: the way. Yeah, that's the way our our physiology um, is hardwired essentially. Right. Because that's why it's so easy for us to overeat like we just want to pull it away because we don't know when we'll be when we're next eat Um, so we just want to eat like there wouldn't be such a thing as a balanced um, diet or lifestyle because it would just be like feast or famine because our environment our our environment dictated life
0: so we're we're hardwired to that behavior to just want to continually
1: eat yeah and then we just well yes but we have the ability to control some things. Um, but then previously we wouldn't even know what a calorie is or the energy density of things or what macro or micronutrients certain foods have. So that's, a, that's essentially a biohack to our physiology. We were not knowing these things um, and we would have just eaten to our heart's content without having to have five square meals or three square meals a day. We were just eaten when we caught something and just like just gone crazy
2: mm-hmm.
0: yeah there are different types of nutrients or vitamins that work in conjunction or synchronized with others like you've got vitamin d and it's good to have vitamin k2 with it um zinc with copper collagen and some vitamin c and um uh, recently, I was reading t- uh, turmeric with black pepper, um, which helps with absorption or something or increases its therapeutic benefits. Are there any others which you think people should know about um, where people might be just getting one particular type of vitamin or focusing more on one and forgetting the other uh, when yeah. they can work in synergy?
1: Yeah, Um so you have to go look at foods, and you'll see the ratios that they have. Um, so with vitamin D, you'd also want to be looking at a vitamin A. Uh, so when you look at cod liver, it's high in vitamin D, but it's also high in vitamin A. And vitamin A is the transcription factor which controls vitamin D in, in the in the the nucleus in the gene. Um, and making like vitamin A is not really accessible from plant foods, particularly in the um, northern hemisphere population Um, so we'd need to eat animal foods like liver to get that vitamin a um, but also having magnesium as well like if you're low in magnesium you're not going to have the ability to make vitamin d because it's uh, two enzymatic steps to create vitamin d and they both require magnesium Right yeah so there's that there's that factor uh, i mean like nature makes no mistakes in terms of the nutrients that it has um what would be another one um yeah I, I think you can get really like neurotic about like synergies and uh combinations and stuff but if you're eating whole foods they literally have them uh ready for you uh in the the appropriate um amounts and ratios because
2: mm, mm,
0: it would just be
1: together with it anyway yeah yeah i'm guessing I mean, especially if you're eating nose to tell, as you put yeah, it. yes essentially yeah nose to tail when eating plants in in their seasonal variations um just trying to think of and like the role of copper and how copper controls iron metabolism in the body so copper is really high in liver again so it's like nose nice to tell you've got to utilize the whole animal uh when we're constructing a diet um, most of the time people are not anemic it's literally just low copper um, copper is needed in terms of how we use oxygen in the body and oxygen is needed to create water in our cell um, in uh, in the mitochondria um, so that's going to have a profound effect on our bodies uh, and also in the ratio of uh other nutrients such as vitamin K, um, selenium. Yeah, I think vitamin A is probably one of the most important nutrients in the body. Oh, really? Mm.
0: It's not something which I hear spoken about a lot of.
1: Yeah, um, I mean, there's um, there was a gentleman called Western A. Price, and he went on a great exploration of the world to different cultures and tribes and... Looked at how they were eating, what they were eating, when they were eating, how they lived their lives, which was predominantly outdoors, not indoors. Um, and they used nose to tell eating. Um, and they all had vitamin A or high sources of vitamin A. Um, like in the African tribes, they're actually eating blood of the animal, um, which is really high in carotenoids, which is a vitamin A sort of precursor and that they have the ability to convert that into the active retinal form. Um, yeah, and that protects against sun damage as well, the carotenoids.
0: And um, what about carrots? Is that a weak source of people trying to get <laughs> a bit of Yeah, well
1: you, can, you can, well, you need to have copper to convert the, the vitamin A. Uh, the vitamin, you need copper to convert that vitamin and feed that beta-carotene into the vitamin A. Uh, the high retinol. Um, so if you've got poor copper status, um, it's going to be an issue, and you're going to have a weak ability to convert that. Uh, and essentially, like northern Europeans are poor converters. I think it's like I think it's like ten percent of the population have good genes to convert the beta-carotene into the retinol.
0: Are you saying it's more a gene thing and not the choice of foods which
1: no, it's predominantly a gene a gene thing because we were either not uh, eating carrots all year round or we had to have higher levels of animal um, foods
2: wow okay that's something to
1: bear
0: in mind so I've got some questions which um, has been sent to me by um, some of the some of the people on social media you asked me to just send a couple of questions or ask the audience
1: yeah I thought it was a good idea
0: yeah yeah so um one person said what are the best foods to give a slow release of energy during the day
2: slow
1: release of energy so we've got to think about protein high protein and a moderate fat source um so eggs would be probably one of the best things and the ratio of eggs uh, with protein and fat it's even more or less um, so eggs and some just green vegetables
0: to go alongside with it perhaps so that will give a nice sustained energy throughout the yeah.
2: day yeah
1: particular type of eggs um, prefer uh, preferentially free-range pasta-raised and organic um, but again do the best that you can um, that's it, really. Just do, keep on doing the best that you can. Like, it's not the end of the world if you like. And and I'm on a budget. I'm not like buying crazy price uh, meat or eggs or vegetables. Like, I'm trying to be as um, realistic and save money at the same time as well. Yeah. Um. So just doing the best that you can. Yeah. Cool. Cool.
0: Um, should nightshades food be avoided?
1: i think in the summer that'd be fine or when they're uh, in season um it wouldn't be the base of my diet and it'll really be the state of your digestive function to handle the, the nightshades the lectins the oxalates which they contain um and that'll go back to your ability to uh to handle them so yeah i don't think there's an issue but I wouldn't base my diet on nightshades and i try to keep them more when they're in season.
0: What is the fear about nightshades for those who have no idea?
1: Um, so it just causes low-grade inflammation digestive tracts, um, increasing chances of intestinal permeability. So that's the, the opening of the cells which lie in the gut and allow for larger proteins and to come through um, the wall essentially and cause inflammation throughout the whole body, whether it be like brain fog, whether it be skin issues, joint pain, and that's that's, that's the theory, that's what's proposed.
0: Right, okay, okay. All right, so for a couple trying for a baby, um, are there any types of foods which should be included or avoided?
1: Um... It's, well, it's not just food. You've got to think about your stress levels. You want to be sending the right signal, uh, especially for the mother to lower their stress. The body's only going to be creating the right hormones if it's deemed and perceived as safe. So, making sure stress is kept low, um, there's some physical movement still going on, uh, like basic walks, circadian rhythm, all these things are just as important as looking at nutrients of food. Um, So a predominant one would be looking into choline as well Um, and that's found in eggs um, Alongside a a whole host of other nutrients which are very beneficial as well
0: Cool, cool Any foods to avoid just general crap food? I would
1: assume Like general crap food, I would uh, really limit my intake of sawfish and bluefin tuna or tuna in general um just because they ha- have high amounts of mercury um mm. any other foods and, like it's if you suspect any food is causing you issues i'd probably just remove it it's like if it's not green with you it's probably that's a sign that you shouldn't be eating it right so just right. going on just going on your I- intuition
0: okay cool cool um, there is a book called The Dirty Genes. It says avoid fermented, aged, leftover food to reduce histamine loads. Yeah. Uh, would you be able to explain or add to that, or give us your thoughts?
1: Yeah. So when you cook food and you leave it, essentially, when you do meal prep, over time uh, the food creates a a what do call called histamine and that can be an issue for some who have issues degrading histamine in our intestinal uh in our digestive system um so it might be a wise issue if you're noticing some allergies some sneezing some itching some readiness around your body um to try to keep to maybe like meal prepping for one day ahead instead of like leaving it for like three to four days ahead Um, so you've got aged cheese as well you've got smoked fish dark chocolate some coffee Um, so some good foods but um, it might be an issue for some but you've got to think about why haven't you got the ability to degrade the histamine in the food Um, so that'd be looking at increasing or looking into the pathways of vitamin b6 um, vitamin C copper Magnesium, these are all nutrients required to degrade uh, DAO, essentially diamine oxidase.
0: Right, right. So, look into diet that can help to uh, mitigate any issues that you might have from fermented types yeah. of foods. Yeah, like
1: there's, there's going to be a bigger root, cause, like root cause issue um when someone has a histamine issue she's not be looking at things like mercury could be looking at things like mold um mold issues whether you've lived in a moldy house once upon a time um because that will impair your ability um to break
0: down histamines okay so kind of off the subject from there as you mentioned histamine what about like summertime, people who suffer in, during the summer with sneezing and stuff like that? Is, is that a diet thing or again to do with mold and, and that sort
1: of thing, which they're missing? Um, that, would be, that would be looking at your immune system as a whole. Um, so potentially it could be another histamine issue as well. Um, seasonal allergies, dust um looking at your immune response why is your immune system being triggered what's Mm. preventing or why is your immune cell saying it's not safe uh have a response um and there's usually like some blocking factors involved there Mm. okay what's your thoughts on antihistamines like they they work short term um if you want to eat nose to tell. you can eat lamb's kidneys which are really high in that enzyme uh, diamine oxidase uh and that's basically an antihistamine as well right plus it provides you plus it provides you with copper and b6 as well to mitigate the effects um but like yeah antihistamines do work you can look, also look at quercetin as well um that's quite a good and natural antihistamine which is a molecule found predominantly in like apples and stuff
0: Okay. Well, that's good to know. Good to know. Sometimes it might happen with myself, but I know a lot of people during the summertime, they suffer from it. So I guess it might be a thing where your immune system or um, just your levels of certain vitamins is highlighted during that time. Yeah, predominantly, yeah. Um, okay. So if someone has an inflammatory response from training, uh, what would be the best anti-inflammatory foods for recovery?
1: So they get information from training? Yeah. Um, obviously, I'd ask them, like, how many times a day are they training? Um, what's the conditions that they're training in? Are they doing too much, exerting themselves too much? Do they have the innate ability to handle that inflammation in the first place um, That we're looking at the mitochondria are they able to have enough ATP um, to, to handle their energy demands and stress um,
0: How do you check levels of mitochondrial ATP?
1: Well, you well you can do there's some testing that you can do like the organic acid test or a neutral valve from Genova um, they're looking at your cellular function, at metabolomics um, so steps and pathways along the way of how you create energy, um, cofactors, and nutrients, micronutrients, neurotransmitters, uh, intestinal um, pathways, uh, dysbiosis, candida, oxalates, all these kind of things so you can do some testing. Um, so the, like, the basic thing would be like what's your recovery looking like, how's your circadian rhythm, are you training at nighttime, Are you training first thing in the morning? Um, all these kind of things before even looking to like, as a, there's a cure with like, there's no cure with food. Like, there's no cure. Um, yeah. or there's no supplement or superfood to um, to cure like to cure an inflammatory inflammatory issue. Yeah, it's,
2: it's,
1: it's looking at the whole picture, the uh, the lifestyle as a whole.
0: Cool, cool, cool. Um, so got a two-part question. Do you have a preference in bone broths? Um and is one better than another?
1: Um I think having chicken or beef, um, whatever you can get. I um uh, I'm not a fan of pork. Um, even turkey. Turkey would be pretty good to get some bones. Um just, just do what you can. Um, just adding some flavors to them, i.e. like rosemary, some garlic, some ginger maybe, um a, a, a splash of apple cider vinegar to help with the extraction of certain nutrients uh, And not not boiling it too crazy like you don't need to do a 24-hour bone broth doing like once or eight hours is is like just good enough okay um is all right, so uh, and also with beef, I don't really like um doing marrow, just the you know the fat fatty part, the marrow bones. I yeah. see no point of making that into a bone broth because literally it's just fat. You want like the working bones, you want like the connected tissue, um so just getting like ribs, like the rib bones all um, the bones from the loin, or something like that. Just, just befriend your butcher, um, and they'll, they'll happily give you some bones for a little bit of cash.
2: Okay, okay. What about um,
1: fish bone broth? Uh, not a fan. Not a fan. And your reasons? Doesn't taste great, mate. <laughs> <laughs>
2: what about um,
1: nutrient-wise?
0: is it? Well,
1: I have to, I have to like like a crab bisque, so like a crab broth, essentially uh it's amazing um but i just find like the state of the environment and the levels of like microplastics in a sea it's probably and mercury and stuff like that heavy metals it's probably not a wise idea to to like go crazy and boiling up loads of fish bones got you right Right. um yeah it's just a it's pretty a little, and I, I, I probably just find it a bit too fishy. Like I can handle oysters, I love oysters, but fish broth, I'm not too sure.
0: <laughs> it probably smell pretty potent, that like vaporized yeah. fish. <laughs> um, what are your thoughts on uh, plant poison
1: lectins? Um. I don't go I don't eat massive amounts of oxalates or lectins which are typically in the same category like they're, they're the same foods um, I think the yeah, idea like just go with your tolerance but then again like these lectin rich foods would be produced in seasonal variations like there might be you might have a response where you eat these foods in the summer when they in season and there'd be no issue or if you're trying to eat them all year round or you have a bit of stress going on, or you're not sleeping great, then you might be like, of course, you're gonna, you're gonna have some response to them. So I think there's like, I'm not saying like that it's good or bad per se, it's like this context and what's your overall health, what's your digestive system like as a whole. Um, and that's where I'll be going with them. But I don't think like lectins should be a staple food component in our diet. I treat them like those foods as like a condiment and such. Oh, a <laughs> condiment.
0: Yeah. Okay. So, you do have people who have that as a staple of their part of their diet. Uh, you've yeah. got vegans. <laughs> so, are you... Wow. Okay, so, what would your advice be to vegans then?
1: Um... Just be very very smart like usually most of the time they're very they have a lot of great knowledge and understanding of their bodies and also of health as well um, so as long as they do a lot of planning and understand uh, basic principles nutrient density um, then they should be fine and have a good state of health at, when they start it as well um, yeah like there's no reason why they can't thrive um, or do well Um, i just don't find it's the evolutionary diet that gives us the best health um, from an epigenetic level Um, and it's just uh, to, to acquire the protein from it's just a lot of carbs uh, and grains or legumes, and yeah, it's just lots of fiber. And like humans don't have like the best ability to handle the fiber. Like, we're not like chimpanzees, our gut is completely different to other, any other animal in the world. We have very acidic stomachs, um, with a short and large intestine, well, a short and small intestine, um, from the assimilation of, of eating animal foods. Uh, per se but then again like you go back like if you live in the equator you're probably going to be able to thrive on a vegan diet much better than someone living in like alaska or northern america or in scandinavian countries
0: mm. would you say it's uh, a lot to do with genetics to which will determine whether your body is suited towards that
2: yeah
1: but, yeah so it'd be genetics but also your your um haplotype of your mitochondria your mitochondria dna um, and that would be looking at your ability of hot and cold as well. Um, so, and in and this goes actually back to you, the banya. Um, so, <laughs> your ability—I like, bet you're you're really good in the sauna. But I bet yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and we know your ability in the plunge pool is shocking. What was that? Your ability to handle cold in the plunge pool is shocking. No, it's it's terrible. I don't mind the cold, but the 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 pool—that's yeah it's like it's, it's cold it's cold and that will come back to your mitochondria and its ability to create heat and dissipate heat get rid of heat um in under these conditions uh, and that's the same thing with diets um the nutrients um the chemical structure of their foods and that go back to your gut function and the cells in in the gut um to handle Handle all these, these molecules.
2: Got you, got you.
1: So it's not, literally, it's not just this, uh, um, the, the nucleus, the DNA, it's more to do with the mitochondria and the communication between the mitochondria and the nucleus, and that's called the epigenetics.
0: Epigenetics. I've actually done an epigenetics test recently um, which works on methylation or something. Is that right? Is that with, is that with um, OMNOS? I think they're called DNH, my DNA. Okay, okay.
1: Um, yeah, but like, what, have you got your results back?
0: <coughs> yeah, so so the time when I'd done the test, I was 40 yeah. and he said my um, biological age was 38. Okay. And uh, I was not impressed. <laughs> I, was, I was expecting like 32 or something like that. And I was like, all right. Like, even though it was better than my um, um, chronological age, I was like, this ain't cool, man. <laughs> what am yeah. I supposed to do? I actually contacted DH to say, all right, like, I'd like to speak to someone to know how I could improve these results. And um, the information I got back was they, I'm not sure if they can legally give me that advice on how I could improve that. Um, So I was like, right, okay. You
1: just left me here stranded. Like, (laughs) (laughs) you you tell me this bad news, Well, bad news to a certain extent, you just leave me
2: here. Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: Well, you had one done yourself? um not not looking at my age um um so you have like telomere testing which the caps off your your nucleus uh no caps like this um telomere, telomere telomeres telomere telomere A's enzymes which look at um your age like yeah essentially what you just said what you just said i haven't done anything like that yet no i'm not i'm not really too bothered as long as i've got like I feel good. Um, I'm okay with. I don't need
2: a number, really.
0: Right, right. Um, I've heard about telomeres, and um, you can do a telomere test. What I've also heard are mixed reviews. I've heard that the uh, epigenetics or Horvath clock is more accurate than telomere testing.
1: Yeah, that's like correct. The, that's, that's, you know. that's correct. So like telomere testing can change from one day to the next. Um, I have forgotten what that, uh, that second word that you said, there's actually specific words, um, which predicts when you're going to die actually, which is more accurate. Right. Um, I think it's Ted, Dr. Ted Asanaki. As an, I, can't, I can't pronounce his surname, but he, he was talking about that on a podcast and he said that's a more accurate way opposed to telomeres. What's Does his name again? Dr. Ted as he was uh, at the Health Optimization Summit? Is he oh. the uh, the person
0: who created the uh, the trophy... Um, yes, the him, him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nootropic things. What are they called? Um, Trockies. Trokeys. Troscriptions,
1: I think that's what their company's called.
0: Troscriptions, yes. I might even have some somewhere. There we go. Bag of drugs right there. Here we are. For those who are... Listening to this on podcast, I'm actually, I've got some uh, blue canatines, canatines, I don't know how, how yeah. would you pronounce it, I'm um, just um, showing it on the video, so yeah, I've taken these a few times, sometimes what I've found is I might feel a little bit depleted later on in the day, maybe it's to do with I don't know, a diet I've had or maybe lack of sunlight or something. I remember listening to another pod, podcast in, and they mentioned that if you train and take this, it actually works, um, I don't know, synergizes very well with the body or being out in the sunlight helps to activate it a bit more. I'm not too that sure. You, Ingredients. Is that what he says? Well, I heard it from, not him, sorry, not him directly. Um, I heard it from, I think, Ben Greenfield. On yeah
1: uh, yeah I think I heard that as well actually mm. um, it's got nicotine in there small amount of nicotine caffeine um, and it just acts on your NADH NAD, NAD. NAD, right. uh, and it, it's an electron donor basically uh, so how you shuttle energy across your mitochondria um, I've yet to try them actually Um I always see tin with them or using them i just ha- unfortunately have not had one yet but, uh, <laughs>
0: we meet up soon don't worry i, I can hook you up bro i've Still-
1: <laughs> <laughs> got the hook up <laughs> <laughs> but actually i actually just reached out to um dr scott share who is also the other co-founder of the company um and i actually i having a meeting later on today with him
0: seriously uh, yeah. I've got I've got a podcast with him
1: soon as well, I actually. Oh really? Out. Yeah. Oh awesome.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I'm gonna be uh, discussing more about this. But anyway. Yeah. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. So I think he's gonna send me some out anyway.
0: That's awesome. Mm. Um couple of questions which I actually skipped past and I, I forgot like um earlier. Um, You gave some great ideas on prepping meals on your page, um, which takes between 15 to 20 minutes, which is great. A lot of people, they get, you know, prepackaged food, which they feel is convenient. But this is also convenient and very healthy. Um, What's the average budget for the meals which you prepare in in these examples which you show on your page?
1: um if it's not wild salmon it's literally like four pounds three three pound fifty four pound per meal wow mm. that's amazing. um i don't eat fancy food though like the most fancy thing sometimes i have is like wild salmon okay um, or i might treat myself or i might treat myself to a really nice like big piece of like um prime rib like a bone-in rib, rib ice essentially um but then I'm good friends with the butcher who looks after me and gives me a discount. Okay, um, so that's some like difficult. yeah, I'm I'm lucky like my food is fairly cheap um, if I plan and if I be smart and if I have things prepared and I don't have to rely on don whole foods and like spend fifteen pounds on a lunch which I can make for like three pound four pound at home. Yeah, so we got to make friends with the butchers. Um, um, be befriend okay. the be befriend the butcher like make make yeah be. Be buddies with a butcher.
0: Unless you're vegan.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> you got to figure something out. Or, or you just be friends, that go to the farmer's market and be friends with the farmers. Or like the, the vegetable growers. Right. Yes, yes.
0: Um, and that's useful, obviously, for omnivores. Um, yeah. What would be your tips Yeah, for cheap, healthy shopping? So you mentioned that, farmers market maybe all uh yeah um butchers would be cheaper Nose to tell um just getting yeah. a whole nose to tell
2: yeah like by um, the whole yeah. cow.
1: well going <laughs> getting a whole chicken racing chicken um a portion of that that whole bird can go for a meal as well um, you're left with a carcass so you can make a bone broth but also after you boil the carcass like have the carcass and have the bone broth you're left with like some meat still on the bird and you can shred that make that into something um, I think eggs are a really good source um, a cheap source of protein and fat as well um, they're fairly cheap like 25 to 30p an egg um, which is nothing like you can get like and just don't just don't waste your money like even like match lattes or Coffees like in London they're typically like three pounds fifty for a coffee. It's a lot. You do that every single day, like that's like thousands, that's like a thousand odd pounds a year. Um and you can do a lot with that. Um, don't you don't need to buy fillet neon like fillet steaks, you don't need that. It's hardly any like in chicken breasts. Um I think there's more value and benefits getting chicken pies, and if you're if if like counting the macros and fat is an issue. Like, I just remove the fat from somewhere else and just get the fives. Um, yeah, just doing things like that. Cool. Good. And, Good. and, and, don't, and don't be scared of the f- like frozen food as well. Frozen vegetables, uh, like frozen broccoli, um, peas, X, Y, and Z, uh, frozen berries with the season. Um, they're all great things to do as well. Is there
0: any particular place they should get that? Any particular type of supermarket?
1: Um, cool uh, like, uh, your, whatever you can do. Like um, Waitrose, te- like, Tesco's do like the okay organic range. Um, yeah, you don't need to be shopping at Foods to, to look for health, health products.
0: It's quite expensive in there. Like, yeah. I, I almost got broke quick.
1: I was like, man, I need to take out a loan just to eat. <laughs> this is yeah. insane. Yeah, it's crazy. And, like, the substance behind it as well, like, there's hardly any calories in most of their food nah. as well. Like, if you go to the sandbar, they still use shitty uh, vegetable oils. Um, yeah, it's just sub- subpar quality.
0: Yeah. Well, look, Ryan, I think I've covered quite a lot here, man, and um, I'm, I'm so much wiser for it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, no, I really appreciate your time. Like the the first moment I followed your page after our mutual friend Tim told told us, told me about it. It's like, wow, this guy is full of knowledge. So um, it's given me real great pleasure that I'm able to sit here and have a discussion and learn and pick, pick your brains about some really informative stuff on not just ancestral living, but how we can bring things from back then to today and just like understanding what we
1: can use in, in our environment as well. Mm. So yeah. 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 I agree. It's a, it's been awesome to talk to you. But yeah, I'd, I'd leave on like, it's literally just not food. It's that bigger picture. It's the lifestyle. It's our sleep. It's our stress. It's our community, friends, family. It's having a purpose, um, movements, breathing, all these fundamental things which are just as important as the food Absolutely.
0: thank you very much again so you're you're available on instagram as what is your page again <laughs> is it vitae?
1: Live, live vitae live vitae live vitae live so so that's spelled with like live l-i-v-e V I T A E, and I'm um, got a website as well, which is www.livevitae.com. Excellent. I'll put all that
0: information in the notes anyway, so people can just click on there and check you out. Yeah. So thank you very much today. And um, thank you, much. No doubt we'll be talking again very soon. Yeah, nice. No nice one. Take care. thank you for tuning in today's episode any guests which i have on the show really provide some golden nuggets and useful life-changing tips so always feel free to check out their social media platforms or website links which will be written in the show notes these shows are financed by my sponsors so your contributions are always greatly appreciated any clickable links with discount codes